On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. On today's show, I chat with Stephen Pattison from Cap City Church in Frankfurt about how to both verbally and practically share our faith. We talk apologetics or defending our faith and what that really means and how we can actually do it. We also talk about how sometimes we think we're not qualified to share our faith or we compare ourselves to others who seem to be sharing their faith in like really marvelous ways. We feel somehow less than, and we kind of cower back in fear. So Doc encourages us to shine the light of Christ in our own unique and personal ways and to release the outcome. You're going to hear Doc speak about the privileges and benefits of being a Jesus follower and how it makes sense, how we can overcome our fears and share our personal experiences with others. And then if we feel a bit shaky in defending our faith when it's under attack, We don't have to have all the answers, but we can instead point others to resources or other individuals who have helped us along the way. Matter of fact, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcasting app, check out the show notes where I've provided links to the seven books that Doc references and recommends from the God Canceled series at Cap City. It's a series that runs until a bit after Easter. You can also find these resources on my blog at choosetothink.co. That's choosetothink.co with a number two. And listen, please click like and share the episode with others who might need a shot in the arm or a shot in the soul of encouragement and inspiration. I really would appreciate your subscribing to YouTube, dropping a comment or emailing me with any questions you might have about sharing your Christian faith. And you can reach me at choosetothink at gmail.com. I'll do my very best to help you. And Doc is amazing. I love his preaching style. He's both academic and practical in his approach. And please come visit us at Cap City. You'll even enjoy the Wednesday night classroom setting where Doc invites questions about the series that go right along with it in a more informal environment. And if you wait till the end, you're going to hear him pause a long time after I ask him the question, What do you want your grandchildren to know about your faith? And he concludes talking about the importance of lightheartedness and laughter. And without further ado, here's Doc. Welcome everybody to the Choose to Think podcast. And I am so glad that you're that you're tuning in regularly. And if you're new to the show, especially, thank you so much for, for joining. I've got Rico here with me. Some of you know Rico. And I have an extra special treat of a guest on the show today as well. It's Stephen Pattison from Capital City Christian Church. People fondly call him Doc. And he has been at Capital City, and you can correct me, Doc, if I'm wrong, but I have written down 1995. That is correct. Okay. Well, we're so excited to have you to the show. I, I, you know, for several reasons. And I was thinking, you know, how do I start this particular interview? And one of the reasons I should say first that I invited you on the show, in addition to just hearing you speak and having you share your wisdom is that you're doing a series now at Capital City called God Canceled. And we have, I've determined that we have at least three things in common. Number one, you live on a farm, I believe, and I love farm life. Do you have animals there? 
we've got about 20 calves and we've got some chickens and and then just uh, of course foxes and raccoons and skunks and the rest. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love that. See, that's a good strong bond we have. And then number two, you have a heated jacket or a vest that we have in common. Matter of fact, I have mine right here. I don't know what your brand is, but mine is called Aurora. O R O R O. And mine is a venture. A venture. Okay. Yeah. I've worn it the last few days, but I didn't wear it today. <laughs> yeah, I I never even knew they made those things, but there's it's I feel like I've got Star Trek. You know, you can press that red button and it's red means it heats up. I love it. My kids got that for me for Christmas. So that was another teeny connection we have. But the third connection, probably a little more important, is that I think I could safely say that you and I both. And I'm going to say, quote, love apologetics and defending our faith. And this series that you're doing, God Canceled, has just been phenomenal, really kind of just starting maybe over the last month or so, I guess. And I would encourage anybody to go to YouTube or the church website to just tune into those episodes and kind of catch up. Even the Wednesday night class that is just an open class, more like a you know, you offer or you allow and, and invite questions during that Wednesday night class. So it's almost like a classroom experience in a way, and it's supplementing or going along with your Sunday sermons, all of those rabbit trails that you talk about, but it's just been just so wonderful. And I have, I'm, I'm learning and challenged all at the same time. And years ago, I I did a poll for some of the listeners and some of the folks in my audience asking them, you know, what do you want to have on the show? And a few people actually said, Victoria, I don't know how to defend my faith. Could you put something on about actually standing bold in our faith? How do we do that? What does that mean? Where do we start? So I thought that would make a pretty good launch pad for us just in a nutshell, what would you tell that grandmother, right? I'm just going to say a grandmother. How would you encourage her to be bold in her faith when she really kind of is afraid or doesn't know where to start? Or what does it really mean to confess Christ? What does all that mean? Is that too big of a question? <laughs> it is a huge question, but it's not a bad starting point. Okay. The, uh, and, it's, and it's hard because different people are going to approach it much differently. Uh, we all have a different bent. We all have different uh, strengths and weaknesses with respect to how we might approach that kind of a question. Um, of course, since I kind of grew up in academics, and I would kind of go after it a little bit differently than many might. Um, you know, Peter tells us to be able to give a reason for the hope that's within us. Um, what I fear is that in our culture, uh, Christianity is becoming more and more marginalized, uh, mocked and ridiculed. At one time, it was pretty much just assumed that uh, there was a God and that Jesus was his son. At this point, that's tougher. And our kids especially are, are, are being tossed around pretty hard. And so what I, I think the way to start is just to have a bold, confident faith of your own. Um, we don't have to be intimidated by any of the things that are being said about Christianity. Being a Christian makes sense. 
the uh, Christian life makes way more sense than any of the alternatives. Um, it makes more sense of just logically, it makes more sense practically, it makes more sense scientifically, about any way that you go after it. The Christian life uh, is a better alternative. Um, there's, there's two ways that, that I think that, um, that a person who was not really academically inclined might think about doing it. Number one is that your own experience of God is something that really cannot be questioned. Um, now, I, oftentimes, I'm going to go a little further than that myself as far as why we believe in God. Um, but my own experience of God, that's something uh, uh, you, you might doubt my logic or, or my data, but it's difficult just to say, well, you didn't experience what you're saying that you experienced. And so your own story, your own story with God, the difference it has made in your life, um, can be a powerful starting point. The other thing that I think that might be useful now is uh, the early Christian apologetics. If you go back to the, the, the time in the New Testament, the Jewish apologetics about that same time, the early Christian apologetics right after the time of the New Testament, one of the ways that they went after it was like this. They looked at the utopias of their culture, and they said, what you dream of, we live your goals we experience. And so when you look even at some different passages in the book of Acts, and certainly other places in the early Christian apologetics, they said, guys, you know, the, the kind of thing that you wish could be, we live it out in the community of the church. And I think in our culture, which, you know, many of the goals that our culture is pursuing are great goals. The way they're going after them are dumb as a brick. And so it's not going to work. And so I think for us to say, we share your dreams, what you want, what you'd like to see, how you'd like to see people get along, how you'd like to see people have each other's backs. We share those things. But we kind of think that God's recipe for that is just way better than the way you're going about it. And if you just give it a shot, watch us, live with us, that you're going to find a better way of doing life. So I think that was one of the one of the strategies of the early church. It was a, one of the strategies of the early Jewish apologists as well. And we are now in a place where the culture is hostile, oftentimes to the church. But many of the dreams that they per, that they are pursuing, you know, I have sympathy with their dream, and I don't have much sympathy for their techniques on getting there. And just say, yeah, we share your dreams, but why don't you try it our way? We think this is the way God designed it. He wants that for you too. And so a couple of approaches, maybe. Just to bring it almost to a practical level, let's say I'm standing at Kroger and I mean, where do I share my faith? Do I, do I see that there's a lady in front of me who may be struggling with her kid? And I mean, do I do anything different? Do I say, oh, do you want me to pray for you? I mean, what what do I she might look at me like what are you thinking or why would you do that or do I just quietly pray for her or is my faith and and my my defense of my faith through my actions and my behavior that's kind of some of the stuff I wanted to get into where you know people think we're wacko sometimes if we just step up and say let me pray for you I've even had some people say no thank you do not pray for me and which is I guess we need wisdom and discernment for that, but 
I stumbled upon an, an accident once, a lady who was badly injured, and I managed to make my way down into the ravine to see her car was flipped, and, and there were some other gentlemen stopping, and we had called for the, the ambulance, and and I, I said, ma'am, may, you know, what's your name? May, let me just pray for you. And she was very adamant about not wanting to receive any kind of prayer. And I'm like, you know, that kind of took me aback. But I guess my point in all of this is, you know, back to what you said about, about yes, sharing our own experiences. That's true. And no one can refute that. But it's we want to take that a step further, probably, and even examine the object of our faith, because that's where we can probably, you know, we can apply another measure of, I guess, the logic and all of that to it. And the Judeo-Christian God having our faith in him is reasonable, and it is practical, and it is, and it does make sense. But other people may come up with other things that are equally important to them, but then they don't vet out, it doesn't make sense. And I also think your point of of inviting people in or to try our faith is important. And that's kind of a, almost a, a sweet and kind way to invite them into our belief system and to allow us to share why our faith is so important to us. But so second to all of that, as I'm rambling around a little bit to get to what I'm trying to ask is if we put all of this in a practical way, for example, how do you defend your faith every day? What do you do, Doc, in defense of your faith? Hmm. I have never really perceived it in that fashion. I, I rarely take the defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but the, um, um, I, I don't really think in terms of defending the faith unless it is attacked. Okay. Hmm. Um, I want to boldly live the faith. I, I don't want to be in a defensive posture. I, I want to boldly live the faith. And uh, if someone asks questions, then grin and go after it. The, um, now, I know that some of the stuff that I'm dealing, because, you know, we talked about both look at how we live and live out your ideals. And we talked about sharing your own experiences. You talked about another facet of it, which is just, is the, what you believe in solid? Is it sound? And that's exactly where I'm going in this whole series. Now, not everybody's going to be able to answer all of those questions uh, equally well, um, because we all have different gifts, we all have different perspectives, and that's one of the reasons that there is a body of Christ where we all have to have each other's backs. And part of this is going to be varied. I have a one uh, family in the church that has a, a, a skeptical uh, grandfather who's ill, uh, but he's curious. Uh, they are not capable of answering his questions, uh, but one of the resources that we're using as a background for this series, I suggested that they get it, and they start working with this resource with Grandpa, and he's fascinated by it. Um, there are people that we point folks to. We have allies in this thing. I don't have to know the, all the answers. I know very few answers. I just know a lot of people who know a lot of answers. And so I ask them or talk to them or arrange a meeting between them. And so um, being confident about your own faith, knowing where you can go to get answers to questions that perhaps are posed that you do not know how to handle, we're in this thing together. Um, and so uh, part of this is to give people resources. Now, there's one other thing I wanted to point out 
because it uh, tallies to what you were talking about. Most apologetics is not, we think it's designed to defend the faith against an attacker. It rarely works that way. Most always apologetics is encouraging a person who is being attacked to remain true to their faith. Um, it, it's, it's almost presented in such a fashion if a, if a person, if an honorable person, honest person, reflective person were to hear these things, it would be persuasive. But most of the time, apologetics is designed to build a backbone in Christians. Too many Christians are, they're almost apologetic and they're scared. Mm -hmm. uh, is the foundation that I believe in solid? And what I'm trying to do is to say, listen, even if you can't answer all the questions, Let's think through it together. The, sol the, the, the foundation you're standing on is extremely strong. Now, there are questions that come up, ways we can deal with it. You know, let's talk and give your resources, you know, drag them to church, do whatever. But that part we can do together. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I guess then let me just dial it back to how do you boldly live your faith? How do you do that? What does That's that mean? What, That's what is, really easy for me. Okay. But a whole lot, a lot harder for, for people who are not like me. I'm a pastor. Okay. So people expect me to be a man of faith. Um, they expect me to try to live it out. Sometimes that's annoying because I'd like to misbehave and it's kind of hard to do when you're a pastor. And so, because people watch. But in any case, um, for me to, to kind of stand bold, I can stand up there and I can preach and I can encourage. I mean, this is what I do every single day. And so, I don't use myself as a model. Your job is way tougher than mine. Mm. Um, people who, my son, who goes to Toyota, and, uh, um, you know, the people in our church family that scatter all over this town in, in a variety of ways, they've got the tough job. You know, mine, as far as standing uh, tall for the faith, is pretty simple. I come to church, and I go to work, and I preach, and I teach. And, and so that is really not a model. Um, but to... to uh, to be a Christian at, at work, to be a Christian at home. Um, you mentioned uh, occasionally, can I pray for you? That's a bold thing that ordinarily works well. Someone is hurting and you say, do you mind if I have a, if I have a prayer with you? If they say no, that's fine. We don't try to force ourselves on anybody. But most of the time, there'll be receptivity to something like that. Um, can I help you? Um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do at, at church this year is we've got this little program we're calling 12,000 Nudges, where every month we're trying to find some way where you can do something just to say, I'm a Christian and we love you too. It's a little tiny tangible things. Um, last month, it was a yes, it's free card with, a you know, God's grace is free. We want you just to taste a little of it. This next month, around Valentine's Day, we're going to try to give out about 12,000 flowers. Only instead of our kids giving them out, we want everybody in the church to pick them up and go hand out flowers to a neighbor, to a, you know, someone that is just needs a little touch of love. Uh, we're going to do something like that every month. And that's just a way that we're trying to find a tangible, easy way to stand tall as a Christian. And so I don't, I don't know if that helps. Yes, I love that. I love that program. I thought the cards were all year. So that's delightful that the, they no, no, change no, no. by month. Okay. We'll have a different way. Oh, wow. That's so creative. I love that. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at, because sometimes I think 
like how I'm dealing with my neighbors. There's so much I would love to do for my neighbors, literally my neighbors in my neighborhood. And, but sometimes I just can't find the bandwidth there because I have grown children and grandchildren. I work full time. I have parents in Winchester. And so I have a lot of people. I'm so blessed with the number of people who, who desire my company in one way or the other. And what I might be able to, little small things I might be able to do for them. But sometimes I'm like, I ask myself, Victoria, are you the best neighbor neighbor here? Because maybe I should be baking bread for someone or just reaching out or, and it, so sometimes I think, am I living boldly for my faith just with these people even right next door to me? And it's those kind of, those are the little practical things that I was trying to get at. Are there, can you think of other things that we could do that would demonstrate that? And I don't mean to like guilt myself in it, you know, I do what I can, but I, sometimes I wonder if I'm not living the the Christian life, I should be just with my neighbors and I'm not helping them as much. Maybe you sometimes feel that like I'm a pastor, maybe there's more I can do and I don't. Everybody is looking at, at you. Everybody knows I'm a Christian and I don't take that lightly, but sometimes I feel a little guilty, like maybe I'm not being a better one or something. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. People get a little bit too worried about that. But the, um, there is an example, and uh, I, I usually don't try to talk. When I talk about myself, I always try to talk about my weaknesses, not strengths. When I'm, but I'm going to talk about my wife, and I'm going to talk about one of her strengths, because she's extremely good at this. I am not. Okay? <laughs> okay. When my wife, when my wife uh, she worked at Sears and Lowe's for 25 years or so as a salesperson, and there were constantly people coming into church because she's very bold with a customer. You go to church somewhere, you know, you got to try ours. Um, person's having a trouble. Well, have you, have you talked to God about it? You know, she's, she is very, very upfront wow. on that kind of a thing. But now that she's retired, uh, she, <laughs> she has basically baked bread for everybody within range along Shadrick Ferry. <laughs> Constantly makes apple butter and the delivery drivers, um, if she catches them, they always get a small jar of apple butter in return for the delivery. And uh, it's, some of them are bringing back the jars and asking for larger ones. A refill. Um, but it's, uh, uh, she, she is constantly finding a way to uh, love on the delivery guys and the neighbors. And, uh, and she does that basically with uh, bread and homemade apple butter and uh it's pretty cool yeah uh, I, we have I we have that. we have actually delivery one delivery guy talked i mean i think he had relatives in the church and he was telling his parents about this guy this this lady out at <laughs> was doing that kind of stuff and it's it was it was julian but it's it's, it's sweetness yeah but what i'm saying though doc is I'm not doing those things, no, but I, I wish I could. <laughs> well, neither do I. Well, it's all different. Everyone finds their own niche. The fact is, what you are doing here is a niche. Okay. Not all of us can do the same thing, but all of us can do something. You find some place where you make your contribution to the kingdom. Everybody's been gifted in that kind of a fashion. 
Uh, right now, that's what Julie is doing. That's not the way she used to do it. It's the way she's doing it now. Um, you should not feel guilty that you're not doing it her way. Um, what you should try to figure out is, am I finding a niche where I can make a contribution to the kingdom? Um, we all tend to denigrate ourselves when we compare ourselves to someone else, um, which is ludicrous. Um, the very fact that you've got this thing going on, God smiles. Mm, thank you for that reminder. And 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 and, and yeah. Steve Brown one time he wrote this book. I can't remember its name, um, but he said, uh, "Don't don't forget that every single one of us is an underachiever in the kingdom, and God is proud of us anyway." Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. I love these practical examples of ways that we can boldly live our faith as mm -hmm. God intended in our giftings and, you know, in our own special way. And a lot of what we deal with on the podcast is our thoughts. And sometimes our thoughts can play interference with our behavior. Well, a lot of times it, it does. And so I'm thinking about a listener who still maybe just isn't convinced. Maybe there's someone who doesn't share her faith at all verbally, say beside, maybe her kids or her family, they know she's a Christian, she goes to church and all of those things, and she serves her family, but maybe she doesn't feel like she's, quote, winning people to Christ. And maybe she's afraid. Maybe she doesn't have the boldness that Julie has. Even on the job, Julie had boldness. And that's just a beautiful thing. But some people might say, I couldn't dare do that. So what it, how would you advise someone who, who doesn't really, other than demonstrating love, loving deeds, they don't really verbalize it. Is there a place where we should all be verbalizing our faith to other people? When that door opens, mm. you don't force that door open. But when that door opens, yes. I mean, there is a time when uh, you pray for the opportunity, you pray that God will give you the eyes to see the opportunity, you pray that if that opportunity is seen that God will guide you so that you'll say something or do something that's going to be useful. And you do not take upon your shoulders the responsibility of persuading the person. Um, we have a lot of folks who just get so convicted because they tried and failed. Um, God doesn't promise any success. He wants us to try to be faithful. The uh, but I wouldn't worry about, you know, trying to force um, that opening. Um, we are, we look for people in times when we can stand alongside and we offer to stand alongside. If they reject it, well, they rejected Jesus more often than they accepted him too. Mm -hmm. And we don't worry about it. Um, it's, we speak truth and grace and mm -hmm. uh, just, cannot get too obsessed with our failures. Let me ask you this, and kind of going back to the grandfather who was reluctant, our families, most of us have someone in our families, whether parents, children, cousins, aunts, uncles, you name it, who are not Jesus followers. 
And mm -hmm. how do we really witness? I'm changing it now instead of defend our faith. Just how do we witness to them when we do live in a world that is antagonistic toward the Christian faith? How do we do we still just look for those open opportunities or is there something else that we could do? Oftentimes, no, sometimes yes, but here's the, here's the deal. Here's what happens. We tend to think that if they haven't turned yet, then perhaps they haven't heard us yet. And so we say the same thing more loudly um, or more sharply. Um, doesn't work that way. Uh, the we we have to. I know. I can remember one instance of someone who's very very close to me, and they were working with a father with a child. And the child wasn't going to listen, uh, or he listened, and then because uh, he didn't respond dad said it over and over and over and over again to the degree that the son pushed dad away because mm -hmm. he wasn't saying anything new son already knew everything dad was going to say because dad had said it repeatedly the passion was not making it better the passion was making it worse we have to speak the truth once the person knows the truth, we have to allow God, God's spirit to work on their hearts. Um, and we have to recognize that God values that person's freedom more than he values that person's obedience. God is not going to force himself, and you can't force him. And there'll be times when people that all of us love they're not going to turn to Christ. It's not because you have not said the right thing or done the right thing. It's because God has given them freedom. Mm -hmm. And God will not override that freedom. And so we have to be willing to speak hard truth with grace. But we cannot just keep hammering on that hard truth, thinking that as we raise our voice, um, and repeat ourselves that the person is finally going to break down and do things our way. Mm. God allows freedom. And that's a, that's a heart-wrenching thing because we have mamas who pray for a, a son that just will not turn. We have kids who pray for parents who just will not turn and the love there is so deep. And they fear that if he doesn't turn, it's because I didn't say the right thing. I didn't do the right thing. And you have to understand that as much as you love that person, as much as you desire that person to have peace with Christ, you don't desire that a fraction of the what God wants. And the work that you have done trying to turn that person is not a fraction of what God has already done in that person's life to nudge them and to draw them. And so to take personal responsibility, if, if you have not shared Christ, if you have not showed Christ, okay, then there's a problem. If you have shared Christ and shown them Christ and they, they don't turn, in, in, at the end, it's going to break your heart, but it breaks his heart too. And he's not going to force it, and you can't. Mm. Yeah, I know you've mentioned that in the series, and it's, it's actually 
on the one hand, liberating to kind of look at it that way. And there's some freedom there where we can just say, okay, I've done what I can do and, and kind of release the outcome essentially and release, release that to the Lord. I have to do that all the time. You know, the fact is either when you counsel or when you preach, um, some will respond and many will not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was basically the same when Jesus preached. Some responded and many did not. And it's because God will not override the freedom. And it's not because we don't care hard enough or because we don't try hard enough or haven't spoken the truth clearly enough. It's that there has to be desire on the other person to change, to bend. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that is not there. Now, if what I'm worried about is that sometimes I mean, the gospel, as, as we mentioned, is, is offensive because uh, it challenges the eye that rolls around in each one of us. But we don't want to add our offense to God's offense. Um, what happens is that too often when we try to present the gospel, which is very challenging, um, the fact that we are jerks makes it more difficult for them to hear a very difficult gospel. And so we don't want to add our offense to its offense. Mm -hmm. Let the gospel be offensive. And you be as gracious and loving and straightforward as you can. Mm, very good. Why is presenting the gospel a challenge? <laughs> um, all of us, when the, when the Bible talks about all of us being sinners and falling short of the glory of God, all of us have this... Uh, this piece of ourselves, I mean, Paul talks about in Romans 7, you know, I know what's right, I just don't like doing it. Um, and wretched man that I am. Now, I, I think most Jesus followers can understand that personally. Mm -hmm. um, there is a part of us that hates, you know, we don't mind there being a God as long as he follows my path. Um, sometimes what God wants me to do, I don't want to do. Sometimes what God wants me to do, it's counterintuitive, you know, um, it, it kind of hangs you out to dry. And so um, there's always this I that wars against uh, Jesus as Lord. And so uh, there has to be a willingness to surrender self if you're going to be a Jesus follower. And the self is the, I mean, you can talk about all the other things that tug back against you, you know, the influence of those around you, the influence of Satan and his minions. But I think the biggest hurdle that you have to overcome is yourself, if you're going to be a Jesus follower. Mm, very good. I have a couple more questions for you, Doc. And one of them is about grandchildren and the legacy that you're leaving. What that is so cool. You want to talk about my grandkids? I do. You want to talk about them? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> what what message and and how many grandchildren do you have i i just have five okay just five. Oh my goodness okay I, my daughter my daughter underachieved she only produced two. <laughs> oh my goodness well i just have three so you're ahead of me anyway but and aren't grandchildren just the best i mean we hear that they're the best but until we have one it's we don't believe, I mean, you, grand, grandmotherhood is, or grandparenthood is, 
it so exceeds the any expectation I ever had. It's just a wonderful privilege. <laughs> so, so you've got these five grandchildren, different ages and so forth, but what what is your heart for them? What do you want them most to know about your Christian faith? Hmm. Well, I hate to pause. I'm sorry about that, but you kind of caught me about surprise when you said, what do you want them to know about my Christian faith? Mm -hmm. If you had asked me what I want them to know about the Christian faith, that would be <laughs> answer. A much simpler thing to do. I, I want them to see a courageous Christian man, mm. a bold Christian man. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that fearlessness is missing in way too many Christians today. That's one of the reasons we're doing this series. I want us to stand tall, be very confident. My daughter is a my granddaughter uh, is over at Georgetown, and she was talking to me about a couple of the books that she was asked to read and asked if I had known anything about uh, a couple of the authors. And one of the authors is, holy cow, I can't believe that they're making me read that nonsense. But the uh, she just, I want her to be able to look at something like that and laugh, because mm. that's the response it deserves. Mm. And a lot of that stuff is going to be thrust at the grandkids, but I want them to have a strong enough faith. I want them to see a strong enough faith in me that it doesn't scare me. It doesn't uh, intimidate me in any way. Um, we're Jesus followers. And I want there to be a boldness and a courage and a lightness um, to life that they see in us. Um, I like to laugh at anything except my God. And um, I like to laugh at myself. I like to laugh at the people around me. I like to laugh at things that are going on in the world. I want there to be a lightness because we're not intimidated by anything. Yeah, what a, what a wonderful point to bring out because what you've done is you've almost shifted the mindset of what being a Christian is or the perspective a little bit. Too often, I think people think Christianity is no fun. It's too rigid. It's X, Y, and Z. When really what you're saying is, oh my goodness, there's such privilege here. We have such, there's energy and there's life here and there's joy and there's peace here. We have something so priceless, really. And we can stand boldly because of that. And there's energy that, I mean, I even felt the energy just as you were saying that I want to be this courageous Christian man. I want to speak boldly and I want them to have a backbone of my grandchildren about their faith and to not cower away because being a Christian really is, a, it's, to me, I always think it's a privilege in so many, we have so many privileges, even to say we have the mind of Christ. I'm so hard trying to discover what that means, but it's it to me it's phenomenal that and that we have the spirit within us I would never want to do my life without that without that spirit knowing that God is with me all the time 
24 seven, he's with me. And there's strength in that. And there's a there's energy in that. And, and we have that. And we want other people to have that. Sometimes it's just hard to get from, from point A to point B and to, to demonstrate our faith through, through our actions, and also through our words. It's, you know, it's a, it, it can be kind of tricky. But, um, but thank you for, for sharing that about your faith and what you want your grandchildren to know. I'm quite certain they, they, they know that and see that in you. And just two more questions. One is about books. I, I know someone who's such an avid book reader, know several people. What could you give a couple of books I, or, and maybe even share the book that, that we're doing in the series? I do not have that copy, but maybe that would be a good starting place for people who are interested in knocking around some of the hard questions and finding answers and that sort of thing. What do you recommend? For this series that we're doing right now, these are the primary resources we're using. Oh gosh, a now, lot. The, ooh, sorry about that. The, okay. uh, the book that is kind of uh, one I'm encouraging people to get and follow along is this one here, mm -hmm. believe it or not, by Richard Simmons. <laughs> That's not right. The guy, not the guy dancing with the oldies. Richard Simmons, really sharp dude. And it's a fairly new book, but it's a marvelous. It's just little tiny essays, two, three, four page essays strung together around a number of themes about why we believe in God. Mm. And some of the stuff we believe in God because there has to be a creator. We believe in God because there has to be a designer. Um, some people say, um, how could there be a God if there's evil in the world? And basically he's gonna say, how can you say there's evil in the world unless there's a God? Um, can you really come up with your own morality? I mean, is there, can you have a moral system without God at all that is coherent? Um, it, you know, what is beauty without God? What is love without God? What is, it just walks down through all of the little fingerprints of God. It's a marvelous, marvelous little book. If you want to go much deeper, I mean, a couple of the books that I'm looking, you've got this one here by Eric Metaxas, who's kind of made us um, a reputation that's, is atheism dead? And it's goes quite a bit deeper. I mean, this is a pretty good read, pretty hard read. Not as hard as this one, but it's uh, Stephen Meyer, The Return of the God Hypothesis. You know, the more and more scientists are digging in, the more that they're being able to see, holy cow, there really does seem to be a God. Um, a very, very fine book. A couple of, you know, little things like this, God is Not Dead by Brooks. It's a really nice resource um, written more for a college kid, uh, written on that level. Um, why We Believe by Tawa Anderson. Very, very nice piece of work. And then you've got the old standards. You got, you got people like Timothy Keller, The Reason for God. He is a magnificent guy and uh, his writing is so thoughtful. And uh, of course, you can never not have C.S. Lewis, Lewis. Uh, Mayor of Christianity. So those are some of the resources, but they're those are just marvelous. I've got a couple of them just on Jesus, the case for Jesus. But uh, those are some of the things for this series we're doing at church. Um, I have some uh, a little teaching team that's going to be presenting the same material to the uh, junior and senior high kids in the evening. And each one of them has a set of these resources. 
that they're going to be going through in order to develop their presentations. Mm, that's wonderful. By the way, I, you actually remind me in some ways of Tim Keller. You really do. You're, <laughs> you, I, I, I think he hung the moon. Oh my goodness. I listen to his sermons every single night. I mean, and I've heard some of them like probably half a dozen times each, but oh my God. Matter of fact, I interviewed on the show, Christina Stanton, her husband, they were, they went to Redeemer and her husband wrote his checks every, every week. She, he was the, like the CFO or something at the church and um, just, you know, matter of fact, I tried to get Kathy Keller on the show, but I know with, you know, she, she declined with. I guess with everything that's going on with Dr. Keller at the moment, but my goodness, he's one of my I, heroes. what's that? He's one of my heroes. Uh, he's yes. a, just a superb, and I love not only the oh, the way he thinks, but I love his attitude. Mm-hmm. He's got yes. A, he has a Christian uh, way about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I it's I love I enjoy personally the intellectual and the academic slant, but then he also brings in so many stories and so many passages from books he's read and, and people who inspire him. And one thing that I think he always does, which I try to do often in my podcast, especially I'm studying the Psalms, kind of going through them just sporadically, but he always brings nearly every sermon back to Christ and he connects, he makes it so tangible in how okay, this is all that's going on. And, 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 you know, suddenly you're hooked in and he's really relating to you. And then he brings in Christ to that in just such a magnificent way. I, I just love that. So, well, tell us, Doc, where everyone can reach out to you or the church website, something like that. How, what, what is the church website? Do you know? It's, it's Capital City. No, they changed it. <laughs> You can get there. There's actually two ways to get to it. You can get to it either capitalcitychristian.org or capcity.info. Okay. Either one of those, capcity.info or capitalcitychristian.org, and they both take you to exactly the same place. Okay. But there's there's also a Facebook page. Just look up Capital City Christian Church Frankfurt. And there's a a Facebook group as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to admit... I don't Facebook much. I only do it when I have to. And so if people are going to reach me, it's, it's, uh, it's better to contact the church or to send to my uh, email address, uh, which is spatterson mm-hmm. at capitalcitychristian.org. But um, because if you messenger me, there's about a one in a hundred chance that I might actually read it. And because uh, I'm never on Facebook Messenger. And uh, I've got a couple of guys communicating me with with me that way right now and i'm always afraid i'm gonna miss it because i i just i hate facebook i'm afraid sorry about yeah, that yeah that's okay but, i used to call it fake book that's a and then once i had the ministry i kind of thought oh you know i was advised you need to have some social presence there so i, well, I got it do too. yeah we also have a we also have a place on youtube if you look up capital city christian on youtube you can get all of our all of our stuff very good. Very good. Well, and the series, the God canceled series running every Sunday, maybe through Easter. Do I have that right? If not a little after a little past Easter, we're going to actually turn the corner and start the Jesus part of this series on Easter Sunday. Okay. Because basically we're going to be talking about God 
mm -hmm. macro. And then starting Easter, we'll spend about four weeks. Um, is Jesus really the son of God? And so it's going to be kind of an extensive series. And we're actually going to give it a couple of different titles along the way, but it's all one series. Um, we're, this part is God canceled. Uh, I think we're going to do another section. We're probably going to title fingerprints or something like mm. that. Um, but it's, um, it is a single series. It's just that um, a single title slide grows old after a few weeks. Gotcha. So we'll, yeah. We'll keep, keep it fresh, time. like fresh feeling. And by the way, I, I enjoy the science and the Wednesday night groups would be in addition to the Sunday morning sermons, but, oh, and the, God. the times of the sermon, the Sunday service would be nine 30 and 11. Do I have that right? Yes. yes. Okay. And then Wednesday night at six 30. Yes. Mm -hmm. For the supplemental kind of class that goes with the sermons that's an open q a also for people who do want to come and ask questions but but i love the science and and i really appreciate your approach and that you are you're sharing and you're attacking what does feel like some big issues and hard issues for many people and what you're sharing yeah. is edifying the body and me and I'm growing and I really appreciate your service to the church and to our community. So thank you so much for coming on the show too. Thank you so much for asking. All you're right. quite welcome. It's a wrap, Brain Changer. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao.